Welcome to Dicey Stories, where we tell stories shaped by dice. You're listening to our tabletop role-playing game, Actual Play Podcast, episode 246. Today's episode begins a new arc in our series, Echoes of Invasion. Set in the world of the Battle for Westnoth video game, 30-some years after the Eastern Invasion mainline campaign. It is played using Edge Studios' Genesis role-playing system, with occasional references to the Mythic Game Master emulator's event meaning tables for inspiration. This is Downtime in Dantonk. Trick and Hepa part ways with Roger's caravan in Dantonk. The largest city in West North, it sports a thriving mix of humans, including some of Dunefolk descent, which gives Trick an unexpected chance to connect with his lost heritage. This arc contains major spoilers for the Battle for West North campaign, Liberty. There are also references to Eastern Invasion and to Kryn of Krenlin, a user-made content campaign. Stick around after the episode for some GM notes if you're interested. For the story up to this point, visit our website, DiceyStories.com, where you can listen to previous episodes or read the serialized write-ups of our adventures. Now let's get rolling. We've got a story to tell. All right. You guys worked as level two guards on the caravan from West, from Weldon to Dantonk. And lest you think caravans are cushy ways to make lots of money without exerting any effort, we are going to have you make a few rolls. Each of your characters is going to have made three rolls to represent time on the caravan. You each can have made a combat roll, a social roll, and some other type of roll. You have each already done one roll. Hepa, you made an alchemy roll to create sunscreen for yourself and Fion, mm-hmm. so that takes care of your other roll. And Trick, you made charm check against Sir Shior to, to learn a little bit about this night and to liaise. And there was a positive outcome for you that you wanted to learn something related to Lord Uchul That's right. that you could benefit from. So I can tell you now what it was that you had learned in that. All right. Which is that Sir Shore will have made a comment that you have a familiar scent about you, and he will have asked whether you partake in clove incense like his lord does. Interesting. Okay. So, what would be your answer to that question? Trick being the, like, uppy evasive fellow, like, I've been known to dabble from time to time. Okay, okay. It's just like what else smell like. It's the woods. <laughs> okay. So, you now know that clove incense is a thing that Lord Uchel likes. Yes. So, I need a social check from Hepa, I need some other type of check from Trick, and I also need combat check of one form or another from each of you to represent your work keeping the caravan safe. Can I use proper upbringing for the social check or no? You can include that in your role, depending on who you are engaging with. So if you're making a social check to interact with other mercenaries, no, you can't. If you're using it to interact with upper-crust people, you can. Who would she socialize with? We can start with the combat roles if you want. I think Trick's going to start with... He's going to start with his other role. And I think he'd like to do perception, because like he has never been to this area of the country, and it's very different. So he's, it's kind of taking in what is all around here that's notable or unusual, or what could be placed here that would become unusual. If you feel that should be, like, geography instead. Survival might be something, or too. survival. Yeah. If you cared about, like, the plant life and the animal life, then it would be survival. If you're evaluating for, like, what stories you can tell of ancient long-gone civilizations, that would probably be geography, because you would be having an eye to the landscape. Okay. I think perception would be reserved for if you were people watching. I don't think that's what Trick is doing. So I, let's do geography, then. How difficult would you like to make this? This is an average check. I don't think Mate can really help me on this one. Not really. Since he cannot directly communicate details to me, that is a failure with two advantages. It's just like, it's wheat field after wheat field. Yeah, there's a lot of, of farmland. A lot of the fields are, are green, like plants are growing now. It's summer, but it is also hot and it is also dry. And so there, there is occasionally, like, dirt, I would say, dust kind Blowing of blows around. through. And there aren't really geographic features so much. Like, the mountains are all too far away. You say, like, you probably can't even see the mountains from here. Maybe southern mountains? 
As you left Weldon, you could see the Dilatus Hills to the south okay. in the distance, but then you're just rolling through this like bread basket of West Knoth. It's just wide, empty fields. I think Trick... But you have advantages. Yeah, Trick remarks to himself, like, oh, I could see why when the humans first landed on these shores, the elves gave this land to them, because there's just <laughs> nothing here. Makes it slightly more interesting when there's a like a farmstead you pass. There's a nice spot for you. There's no trees. Don't worry about it. You have some advantages, so I will comment that you think that this is a a naturally planed area. You don't think humans cut down all the trees. Right. That, like, whatever the the nature of the soil or whatever the flatness here. And and it's possible there could be, like, the bedrock could be kind of high here so that trees weren't able to... That's true. But as far as making it an interesting setting for a future tale... Yeah. Unlikely. Eh, more horse folk. Horse folk, you know, no, there, no one's going to farm in my stories. Maybe it's going to go on vacation to graze. Maybe. Yeah, that's a trick has. Okay. Hepa, have you thought about what sort of humans you might like to hang out with? Um, well, I know we've established that she's in her face with Fionn because she gave her the... Sunscreens? But I do think she's the type of person that might just pick a random person and go ask them questions about their trade or whatever. Okay. Anything, candle maker, or just anybody that's like a thing she doesn't know about, you know she's going to go ask about it. Okay, so. so if you're talking to a tradesperson... Or anybody that looks sick, oh my gosh. If you're talking to a tradesperson, then your polite upbringing does not apply, right. because they're all like working class types. Yeah, I think that's fine. So what is the difficulty? So it's just average difficulty, okay. and you can make your roll, and we'll see what the results are, and then we'll say what type of person it was. And what happened? Yes. Well, that's a failure. I think you end up being that weird elf. Staring at somebody and then... And then, like, asking them questions that seem to come out of nowhere. Ignorant, weird questions. Yeah, okay. I can build that. And I'm also sunburnt, so things are red. I don't seem like I know what I'm doing. But what trade was this person? I don't know. What trade would I ask questions that seem weird about? What trades are there, I guess, is maybe another That's a good question. question. Like, they would be... Crafting things, like maybe horse equipment or farm equipment. That this person would be on the caravan. Like if it was something like that, then I could like bids for things. I guess that would be a blacksmith. And then she could be basically asking weird questions that have to do the basis that farming is very hard and people basically run their bodies around or something. Could be a snake oil type of thing. So she's asking questions that are a little too probing because they're... Potions don't maybe don't actually do anything. I think you are talking to a snake oil salesman. But she's naive, so she doesn't realize that, yeah, so somebody, she's going to ask. Somebody traveling in the caravan. Yeah, it's like, oh, you make potions? She goes by Lily the Pink. Okay. And she sells all sorts of medicinal compounds and such. And you start asking questions. Oh, yeah, that is so interesting. Like, what does this do? What are the ingredients? How are you, you know? And you essentially, like, disrupt her, like, pitching to, like, naive people. Right. And you ask two probing of questions. Right. Oh, yeah, because she would be like, and now it has this oil. And she's like, what does that do, that oil? Like, what's the active reagent in that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So she gets very mad at you, and she, like, chases you off. Right. Okay. And smashing now, successes. Following your smashing failures, please each choose some sort of combat skill, and you are going to roll versus a purple and a red this time. Actually, roll against a purple and a red and a black. The black will represent either the defense or some environmental advantage that your opponent has. Okay. Is there any context? Can I just, like, could I could choose, use runes or yeah, magic? Yeah, you could choose okay. a magic. You could choose ranged. You could choose a melee. The context of this is the vague statement of the caravan is under attack. Oh. What skill are you rolling? Runes. Okay. So oh, you'll be no. glad to know that I have a despair. <laughs> okay. I think I know how to do that. Five advantages and two successes. And a despair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a despair. Just, just for you. Uh, trick did ranged, and the result is just two successes. Okay. So it looks professional, but not cool. So you were shooting your dune folk bow. Yep. Rather than fighting with your knuckle dusters. Correct, because I feel like we're on a caravan. It's not close quarters combat unless something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trick, you 
reveal yourself to be quite competent with a bow. Yep. Heppa. I mean, I think the magic users already know that I'm a wild mage, apparently. That's <laughs> wild mage! You were doing some sort of attack with your magic. You were mainly fighting in the area around grassy fields. There are some low shrub-type trees. Yeah, it could be like a, a wind attack or something. Yeah. Or like a Like sand. buffeting winds. Yeah. Taking a cue from the dust storms that roll through. And the, I the, worked with water, so... We're just translating it to air. Okay, yeah. So you like kick up little tornado-y dust devil type things to pelt them with stones and chaff and whatever right. you can send flying around. And you had a lot of advantages on those rolls. Do you want to use those advantages to, for example, impress people? Do you want to, and this is Lex's choice, not, right, right, right. not Heather's. Despair-wise, I feel like your little twisters are going to actually do damage to the caravan. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering if I could use advantages to nudge the despair to be something... To, like, mitigate the effects of it? Yeah. Even if it's just, like, maybe I find out later that I did something or whatever, as opposed to specifically turning the caravan on Peppa. (laughs) I'm not saying that, like, people are going to be out for revenge. It's more like... There's a, a potential there of... Our pay getting docked. Yeah, your pay getting docked. Or like a wagon getting damaged and like costing the caravan a day of like repairs or whatever. Yeah. It is a despair after all. Yeah. So yeah, maybe they get out of control. Um, the advantages that... Impressing people with the power of your magic could be a legitimate side effect. Yeah. So it could build up a reputation for you. Right. Of the terrifying intentress known as Hepalonia. <laughs> Maybe not terrifying. She doesn't really come across that way, I think. So much as super powerful. And and maybe also a little bit like doesn't know the full extent of her own powers kind of thing. At least with the mages. But also when we did the water stuff, that was some of the people that were are now prisoners that saw that. So it could also add to that reputation. So let me use the advantages for that if we can also make a little bit of a positive so that something got broken, but they know that it helped with the battle or whatever. It, it helps keep the prisoners in line. Okay. Because they, like, see the scope of your power. If you had wanted to, you could have, like, crushed them with their wagons. Right, right, instead right. Instead of just, like, crushing a wagon wheel. Right, right. So this will earn you respect with Sir Shore the knight who's in charge of the king's detachment here. Right. In his perspective, you're a powerful elvish sorceress. Yes. Apparently I am, by accident. And also the prisoners are a little bit in awe of you. And probably also Tomas is like, wow, that elvish magic is something. Amazing what you can do when you have decades to just study and study. Yeah. Yep. Probably is. Okay, cool. So you've impressed multiple parties of people. And I didn't break my ring, so maybe just a wagon wheel. Oh, we should have done that first, then I could have used my my social check to be apologizing for breaking the wagon. <laughs> You're still allowed to apologize. <laughs> and then for the despair, I think we'll dock your pay for damages rather than, like, say that it costs time. Good thing we're level two now. Yep. <laughs> so it is four days of travel between Weldon and Dantonk, and your pay rate is two coins for four hours. Right, 12 coins a day. <laughs> 12 coins a day for four days. So it was going to be 48 coins, but HEPA is only getting paid 40. That's not that's a bad. Not... <laughs> that's not bad at all. Yeah. Essentially, like, it. it took two hours or four hours or whatever to fix the wagon. And... Yeah, yeah, and materials. Yeah. So that is your payout when you reach Dantonk. Now okay. I will tell you a bit about Dantonk. So it is the largest city in Vesnoth. You begin to experience Dantonk almost before you can see the city's walls. There's far more buildup of small homes, shanty-type stuff leading up to where the city is. And while Weldon was kind of like a fortress and had the king's palace in it, this city does not have any of that political capital. There are walls here, but... They are, like, much lower, and the buildings are not as high or as grand as what is in Weldon. 
but there's just like more of them. And like once you get through kind of like the lead up settlement and through the walls and into the city itself, it's this like twisty maze of unplanned sprawl. The caravan rolls into town, heads to like where there are warehouse type things and begins to you know, like offload some stuff and they'll be spending a couple days like sorting out what's going to be going on and who's continuing on to where. Rodri pays you out. Minus the wagon wheel. Appreciates that you are capable mercenary guards, although perhaps some... some Loose cannons? <laughs> that wouldn't be the phrase, I guess. <laughs> perhaps some restraint or focus might be required in the... Uh, Further. He'll be happy to recommend us to his competitors. Engagements. I should have broke a purse and I could have healed that. Ooh. And Raji will say that you are welcome to like reapply for the next leg of the journey at your current pay rate. So well, Raji yeah. is not open to any negotiations to buck up your pay. I will tell you that you are now in the fifth week of summer. Okay. Summer is 12 weeks long. And right now you are scheduled to meet Kachin at the start of autumn in South Tower. So five out of 12 weeks have been consumed. You have now traveled these roads. You as individuals could travel faster than a full caravan could, but you are also capable of sending message by Falcon or Magpie if you need to change your plans. Right. You are free to circulate around the city Dantonk is centrally located. Uh, if you regard the map, you can see that Dantonk has roads leading out of it in many directions to other West Nile cities. And you know that Rodri's caravan will be heading out to the northwest on a road that will lead up. And once it gets close to the Great River, that road forks and part of it goes west to Carson and part of it goes right to the port of Abez. So, Rodri, grumble, 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 still has to transport prisoners, at least as far as that crossroad. The flags that you see flying on Dantonk, there is like one high banner that's the blue and gold of Vesnoff, you know, showing that they're a loyal city. But they also have their own flags about, which are purple and square in shape. Knots and the beard offer you guys like a, a hearty handshake, a clap on the shoulders tell you that they're continuing on with Rodri. They might, once they get up to the Great River, might go across and see what's going on on the other side these days. Have they been to Dantong? Do they have any recommendations for anything you must see? Beard, the Beard has recommendations for places you must drink. Right. They're not really, like, sightseeing-type folk, but they'll, they'll give you, like, a few suggestions of, like, flophouse-type places that are relatively cheap. They don't have horses themselves, so they don't have any recommendations for butterballs stabling. Yeah. Trick will ask if they're if they're heading north of the Great River. Are they planning on um, like they get hired as mercenaries by people for race work. They don't. They're not going to go out and just fight necromancers of their own volition. <laughs> they laugh heartily at that idea that they would just go out and fight necromancers. Like a hobby. But like that leads strict to like the idea of so are there nobles or merchants or other people who are hiring mercenaries for this purpose? Or is it like the kings? So, like, what are you hoping to find up there? So the beard has told you that there are some people who are like carving out baronies and stuff on the other side of the river. Oh, would-be nobles. Yes. Second or third children who aren't likely to inherit their parents' lands and... They're all doing, all doing train, but they're not mages. Oh, that's right. Their parents are glad to get rid of them. And so they'll go and they'll see, like, oh, there's a cluster of farms here. Nobody's quote-unquote protecting these farms. I will claim them and I will, like, submit paperwork. And and then need people like us to secure the area around so they can justify setting up their borders. Like, the bureaucracy all sounds hideously complicated to trick. That's not the Beard's problem or right. Knox's problem. Like, they don't really care how nobles set about having titles to land. It's more a matter of... If somebody's doing something like that, they will have coin to pay to make the area a little more safer. A small little hamlet is not going to have that kind of coin on hand, even if it has the same actual problems. Well, 
Trick tells the beard that if he ever needs a trim, to give him, let him know. <laughs> and needs the, barber service. The beard shakes his fist at your magpie, who's like now landed and is like, duck, shake, him. But then like ducks behind you. Just, you know, be sure that, uh, what does Trick want to say? Like, enemies can come from above as well as below. And the beard grumbles that he's learned his lesson. Don't trust the bird. Hepa says something generally, like, friendly, like, you always have friends in the Esperant Forest or something, you know, appropriate, polite. <laughs> I was really busy thinking about how Mate probably could have done Knotts' hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, they could have been great friends. <laughs> if only things had gone differently. If only, yeah, if only he hadn't attacked the beard right from the get-go. <laughs> you have a few references. Trick, you know that you should look up Fazul. Yep whose relatives went on an expedition across the sandy wastes. Hepa, um, you know that there's a glass worker in town whose name is Rashanak, who, oh, right. who makes eyepieces, piece. also a dune folk descendant. So I feel like we should follow up your lead first, Hepa, since that's a person who is supposed to be in this town as opposed to a person who used to be in this town. Yeah, and I also promised Lala that I would look for some pottery for her. She wanted human-made artistic pottery. This is a place to, to do it. Like The scene you look around, there's like markets as far as the eye can see. I'm sure we can find something. Um, yeah, we can stable Butterbell somewhere. Yeah. Find a place to stay. Do you wish to find a place to stay at one of the places not St. Beer recommended, or do you wish to locate Dunefolk people and then decide where you want to stay? I feel like you have all the streetwise and you're really good at finding these things. I suppose there is that. Uh, let's find a place first. We've had pretty good luck finding places. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Though we did have a recommendation for the first place. Well, that's true. So let's check this recommendation. But it's probably not going to be as uh, memorable as the parting glass. Uh-huh. So don't get your hopes up too much. So Trick is willing to check into one of those, a couple of those places, and if they're not the quite right style, that because I imagine it was... The Beard and Knots described it as a flop house, not in a demeaning way, but like that's just the kind of place they like to stay. Yeah, it's cheap, and it's a roof over your head. And... Right. Whereas I feel like the elves of Esprin, like, we like a private room. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You guys are a little classy. We like one level up from the cheapest place. But to be fair, probably as far as undercurrent type of activities, that probably mostly happens at Alrix. Yeah, probably. I mean, we did a fair number of We're a little shady. So you would like a streetwise uh, like street to assess these places. Yeah. How difficult would you like this to be? It's Where's just the average. big city? Yeah, I mean, I can try to help, but I don't know what I would help with. It's not average. You get an upgraded difficulty by me. You can keep your eyes open. I mean, yeah, I can just look if that helps. Second set of eyes is always handy. Three successes and one advantage. Okay. So I think we find a suitable... I think it's not, it's not one of the flop houses, but whoever operates the flop house also operates a slightly more upscale place. Yeah. It's not a full franchise. It, it's, it's like just... you go in and you look around and you kind of have this like slightly like disappoint like Hep is not like super prim necessarily, but I don't think she comes off as rough and tumble. Yeah. I think if you're scared of her it's because she seems really weird. And it's not that like the operator like sees a mark. It's more like they judge the cut of your jib. We come in with our otherworldly grace. <laughs> and they're like, well, yes, like we have a corner of the floor available here, but like such as yourself might be more interested in the northern outlook, our establishment on the um, the upper side. Upriver. They're not on a river. They're really. not on a river. Oh, they're gosh. in like, the middle of the country. Why is there a city here? <laughs> because it's a crossroads thing. The city should not be that big. All the trading passes through here. And because it was flushed with refugees after the war. Oh, I see. I see. So the Northern Outlook is the name of their nicer establishment that's on the upper side of town, which is just the northern side of town. So whoever this fellow is, whatever they look like, when we shift to the Northern Outlook, there's someone who looks very similar and, like, in the show, it's played by the same actor, but has, like, a little bit more of a mustache on. Like, so it's a family I will trade. say, it is a family-run trade. They do look significantly different, though, because the proprietor at the flop house has kind of grayish, bluish hair, whereas the proprietor at the Northern Outlook, his hair is brown and of similar, uh, the same kind of, like, wavy-type hair as, the, as his twin, except 
he has not dyed his hair thief colors. Yes. And yes, he has a distinguished mustache. He's got like the little pencil mustache. He's like the more responsible twin. Yeah. Look, they serve different markets, mm-hmm. deal with different issues, like, you know, paying taxes versus dealing with uh, people who are constantly doing illegal trade. Okay, so the Northern Outlook, uh, yeah, we can uh, we can book you to a room to share. That'll be uh, $2 a night for each of you. Uh, this proprietor is offering us a certain rate, and check will make sure that the two coins for each of us, that does not include the bird. <laughs> the bird pays nothing. Do you, are you wanting to make a negotiation? And does the, and this, and you can stable our pony here. That, that's the negotiation trick okay. we'll attempt to make. You can attempt your negotiate. It's going to be against a purple and two reds. Because you wanted a nice establishment. I wanted a nice establishment. I'm going to spend a story point. I can try to help. My that pony's be... not very big. It is smaller than a horse. It could fit at the smallest end. And it eats less. It eats less. Give yourself a half a blue dye. That's right. I think that's She's very one. cute and very little compared. I have failure with three advantages. Good point. You need that pony stalled. So that's another gold per night. We can do it all here. But you can do it all here. I am willing to listen to other ideas regarding advantages. Uh, if he has a lead on people we're looking for, okay. that would be helpful. Yes, he can remove the need for you to hunt down various things. Yeah, so what is the name of the shop or place, the person you're looking for? Roshanak. So, yes, he can tell you where to find Roshanak, the glass worker. And if you also ask about somebody named Fazul, he will tell you that... Kazul is a weaver whose shop is just down the street from Washinak. And does he have any recommendations for potters? So that's they outside have... the city walls. There's a really large barn that uh, a lot of the potters all share space in. What about, do you have any crates or barrels? <laughs> so it's kind of like an artist commune type thing. Okay, okay. Yes, that's brilliant. So there's also like sculptors there. And um, I mean, there's utilitarian pots as well. No, that's perfect. And if you need a, a specific lead, Waith is the person that he says you should start with Waith. And if she doesn't have what you want, then... Uh, In the artist commune yeah. outside of the city. Outside the city walls. It's still, like, within the, the sprawl. Is there any other type of thing that you wish Heidel to tell you about? I think I've consumed all the advantages here. Okay. We got at least three tips, so... Oh, I hope you didn't mind me using one of them for the pottery. I mean, you gave me a blue dye, so I think you you earned that one. (laughs) I was like, what about the potter? Okay. Where would you like to start? I guess you want to start with um, Roshanak? Yeah, sure. We got directions to that part. Okay. We'll start with the thing that we really don't even need to do. (laughs) I mean, something you want to do. We we don't need to do any of these things. (laughs) What we're supposed to do is find this Society of Shadow. Right, I forgot about that. I have a thing to decrypt. That's right. Okay. So you follow the directions, and you reach a street that has... There's signs outside. Um, The signs are all labeled with what the business's names are, as well as artistic renderings. Right. So there is one that has a painting of, like, a fancy glass bottle, like a stopper. It also has, like, circles together in a frame connected with things you're not really sure what that is right and there's another one that that says like fazul's fine fabrics and has okay for the weaver yeah you're also seeing that a number of the buildings on this street instead of having shutters have heavy curtains in the windows and in the doorways instead of traditional doors and you encounter a number of, of humans in the street with, like, wares and stuff like that, and you, you notice some people are, like, sitting on carpets, and there's a variety of foods and goods on sale in all, like, the streets. Like, pretty much it looks like every shop here kind of, like, opens up their storefront into the street. Yeah, are the people here, like, the population here more, like, doom folk as opposed to... General you can com- attempt to make a uh, knowledge geography check to okay. assess the humans that you see here. I didn't know, like, when we came in, if there was what kind of variety of people there were, if there was anything. This is a huge city, and there are humans of all colors of hair, eyes, and skin. Right. 
in this particular section of the city. Make an average roll. Um, yeah, so I succeed with a threat. You also hear like the call of a falcon, and you see a falcon like fly into like the top of a roof a little down the street. And I just miss Elric a little bit. And you, yeah, you take a string because you miss Elric. The humans that you see are the same mix of appearance as you've seen elsewhere around the country. Right. So there are some darker-skinned humans and some lighter-skinned humans. But you are seeing indicators that there is, like, a different cultural twist to here. So Yeah, I mean, the market sounded a little bit more like what I understood, like, the dune folk kind of being, like, curtains are much easier to transport than, and rugs are easier to transport than doors and shutters. So that's why I was, like, wondering if it was yes. primarily dune folk. Yeah, so there's things like that which are making Hepa, like, notice a few distinct things. Everything here, all the shops here are all labeled with words, which you do not see all the time right. in other places. So your impression is that maybe not everybody around you is literate, but more people who visit this street are literate than elsewhere. Right. So you don't really understand like how or why necessarily. Right. Um, but yes. There's some maybe some influence that feels familiar yeah. to that. Okay. And so you enter Roshanak's shop. Roshanak looks to be somewhere around Circe's or Damal's age. So we'll see if he likes elves. Uh, and is a woman. We'll see if she likes elves. So she is older. She has darker skin. Her hair, though, is looks like it was probably once a brown color, but is now like quite quite gray as well. But she wears it like pulled back and twisted up out of the way. She has on two pieces of glass in a frame mm-hmm. on her face. So you recall Damal had like a frame that he fit his monocular into to put on for when he was writing. She seems to be wearing something similar frame-wise, but with two pieces of transparent glass on them. Some people just like to carry windows on their face, I guess. That does seem to be what she has. I mean, I think Kepa's like maybe it serves a similar purpose because she probably works with very small things all the time. You enter the shop. And she looks up at you, and she says, Greetings, welcome to my shop. Are you Hepa? Why, yes, it is nice to meet you. Slightly alarmed, strict, but like, eh, they can send falcons. Make a cool check? I think you will make a cool check. I don't know that Hepa needs to, to because she knows that Damal wrote. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, how often do elves come showing up into your last shop? This just reinforces her ideas that all the dune folk know each other, they're all related. Yeah. Success with an advantage. Perhaps you remember that Damal did right away to communicate with the glassmaker yeah. on her behalf. And, and right. He said we were coming. Uh, we're probably the only, well, very rare an elf comes through. Even rarer that two elves come through. Yeah, so she's like, well, I'm pleased you remembered. And she says that she, she heard from South Tower that you might be interested in looking at her wares. And uh, that if you haven't been to Sazid's yet, you should stop in there. No, what, what is Sazid's? The aviary down the street. Oh, okay. Trick's thinking, like, I would send Damal a message. Run! Run for your life! <laughs> <laughs> so, we met your sister. <laughs> sister was pissed! <laughs> yeah, she and she thanks her for the recommendation. What Hepa's going to say is that she's curious about the pieces, but she's going to be up front. She does not, is not sure if she really has the budget for that. She's just, it is probably, I'm assuming, very intricate. But then Hepa's happy to jump into, like, questions about everything, even the glasses she's wearing. I don't know if there's social checks, but, you know, Hepa, she's like... So you can make a charm check. Okay. And you will get a blue die for being interested in her business. She does not have any particular need to have fancy stuff here, so she's just two purples. I feel like Epa's interested in a lot of people's business. I will say, on the shelves in here, you don't see, like, tons of monocles, right? Yeah. You see, like, glass jars with stoppers, things for holding potions and beverages, and maybe fancy dish work. It is also hot in here. There is a furnace-type open flame area if you've ever seen a glass blower work. Right. There is that type of thing here. Okay, so let me roll my charm check and see if I can find out what that thing on the sign is. Just successes this time. 
you uh, have friendly engagement with her and uh, she explains that while glass can be used to make decorations and serving materials it also has a magnifying quality to it she speaks a little bit about how like if you look in water like you can tell that you know things don't line up quite the same way and that's because of the way that the light moves through the water and oh, the same is true of glass refraction. this is amazing it's clear that uh, she has a scientific understanding of the properties of glass and she does take out from like a secured area a monocle similar to the malls right that you can like try out she does explain that the ones that she wears on her face often simply referred to by the young children as just glasses although she prefers the term spectacles as uh, it makes the whole world clearer and easier for her to see okay she also has in addition to the monocle type things she'll like take out uh, like a velvety cloth that has lenses on it okay. as well as a flat piece of leather that she'll roll up and like affix the lenses in so essentially like a telescope type thing okay but one that's easily collapsible and transportable it's not like gonna be a giant canister with you heather could kind of look through it and kind of she could base that on her experience of falcon sight to see um, she's also going to say she does do a lot of travel, so breaking something breaking might be a problem. So it may be like, maybe Hippa's actually more interested in something that's just like a magnifying glass. It doesn't have to be ah, super okay. accurate, but it might be a little bit hardier and maybe not as expensive or whatever. Okay. But I don't know what the cost is going to be because Hippa definitely does not have a if whole you're, lot. If you're just interested in like a simple magnifying glass, like a one-piece thing, yeah. that would be much cheaper than right. like the sophisticated monocle or even like the uh, telescope thing. Because even like a falcon sight plus a magnifying glass might be pretty... Yeah, I mean, if you cast falcon sight on yourself, you're adding a green dye. And then if you also have a magnifying glass, then you're adding a blue dye. could also help you when you're inspecting things. Trick Manu. I'm trying to think do you what... like wander away? Like there's other no, things to do? No, like, like it was a scientific point... description. It wasn't a boring list. Are you worried at some point Heppel's going to be like, here's how much money I <laughs> have? Yeah, and like... <laughs> I'm her personal negotiator. <laughs> and Trick can also recognize there are a lot of very expensive things in this shop. Like, I need to be careful. Make sure mate is tucked away. <laughs> There's a lot of shiny things in this shop. Yes, definitely keep him under wraps. Do you want to make a survival check then? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Because mate is like right now sitting on your shoulder looking at all the nice reflective surfaces. What should the difficulty be here? What is mate's discipline? None whatsoever. What's his will? Just one? One. So he's easy to boss around. So it's one purple, but there's a black die because there are shinies here. I agree with that. One success, one advantage. Maybe uh, he just finds a mirror and looks in it. You know, like a parakeet? I th yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that is what he finds. Okay. Then we will say, yes, there is a super reflective surface here, which again is not something very common to you guys. Right. And the, like, as the, what was her name? Roshnik. Roshnik. She was describing how you know, things move through water, so clearly like this is the same kind of feature. And that even if one is not familiar with a glass mirror, one can make mirrors out of like polished metals. So probably would have seen something like that at some point. Or like even reflections. But I wonder yeah, if we've really seen ourselves. This would be the clearest you have ever yeah. seen yourself. It makes you realize just how dusty you are from the road. Yeah, like I probably shouldn't get this place too dusty though. I think mate is Confused at first, because, like, doesn't encounter reflective surfaces all that often, unless it's water. And, like, she's not a bird. But I think Mate is kind of, like, egotistical, like, well, wait a minute, who do you think you are, bird? So I think uh, Mate has to make some sort of intelligence check to, to see what he thinks. To understand. I, don't, I don't think that he has lore. No, he doesn't. He only has a threat. He doesn't like that you seem interested in this other bird. And so, mate, like... Like, he keeps turning the trick. Yeah, and he'll, like, grab your bandana with his beak to kind of, like, pull your head to, like, look at him instead of the other bird. And um, then a young child runs up to the door of the shop. This is probably, like, Gumradoc's granddaughter, like, that kind of age. Runs up to the shop entrance and shouts, like, Roshnik, Roshnik, is it true? Are, are you going to talk at Dune School tomorrow? Doing school? Doing school? Oh my gosh. I guess there's no normal school. And she says, There's a customer. Hush! <laughs> That's how they all learn to read, right? They live yeah, in the I community so. and they have a school. And she says, like, yes, yes. 
And she, like, makes a gesture of, like, stop, like, so the kid doesn't barrel into her shop full of glasswork. That's the first thing I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is just a curtain. Yes, yes. She assures the, the child that, that she will speak tomorrow, and she will she will bring her demonstration equipment and uh, expect the, the proper respect and uh, attention as deserves a luminary. The kid, like, is like, oh, yes, 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 and, like, kind of, like, bows their way out of the door and, like, then, like, is resumes right down the street. So there's a school. Now Kepa has these questions because this this is the first time she's encountered a school in a human city. She's only been to two others. I've only heard of Alden. <laughs> yeah. Rashanak tells you that um, once a week the children are, are gathered to be taught some important things for them to know. Like glassworking? Uh, it's not a trade school. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's more a cultural education. Oh, okay. So that they can retain some of the knowledge and traditions of their ancestors. That sounds amazing. So she brings out a magnifying glass, mm-hmm. and it is a tool that has the potential to give you a boost die when examining things that you want to look bigger for you. So like if any sort of CSI work you, you do. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, Hepa will say she does do a lot of like inspecting things we might find in the forest and the alchemy and with the the small writing. And then she may say, but realize after she says it, I can augment a little bit with magic. And then she might like pause just because you know how that always goes. Um, <laughs> then, then she'll probably apologize unless the what woman's... form of apology is it? Is it like I'm sorry that I've mentioned something that could offend you, or is it like? I'm sorry that I do magic and I'm okay with it. Like, Maybe for just mentioning it. She might be like, oh, I'm sorry if that's sensitive. Alric told her never to be apologize for who she is, but you know, you don't always have to be like, hey, I'm a, I do a thing you hate. You know? Right, right, right. Okay, so you apologize if that is sensitive. Rashanek says something along the lines of, hmm, how do I want to word She's this? She's kind of remembering where she is. That's what I think Hepa's like, oh yeah, dune folk don't always like magic. Maybe or a fist them all. She doesn't know. I, I think she, I think she says no need to apologize for your elvish ways. Oh, thank you. What you're looking at here is uh, 25 gold pieces for a magnifying glass, and it has encumbrance one if you are going to be carrying it around on your person because it is something that could damage. So it requires you know careful handling, and and that's right. You have to be careful with it. Yeah, the the encumbrance is not its physical size so much as the need to be careful with it. If right. it's something that you think you will pack away and store on saddlebags with your alchemy kit, then like it's going to be in a safer location. Yeah. But you need to specify like when you're including your alchemy stuff. Right. You know, like right now, it's kind of like yes, that's all in my backpack. Yeah, I think it would be one of those things because it's not like I'm like, oh gosh, we're going into battle. Let me get my magnifying glass, you know. So I think that's one of those things that's generally right. going to come out when we're not. But if we're like, if she's doing something with it and battle starts, then that might be where it becomes a thing because now I have a thing that I can't just drop. It's important when you guys are like in town, like you are now, to specify like, right. are you walking around with your backpacks full of all your gear? Like, do right. you have your medical equipment? Like, right. do you have your writing kit? Yeah. Or are those things, like, left at your hotel? Yeah, I kind of feel like there wouldn't be a need to do that. I don't know about weapons or anything, because I don't really understand, like, the... I think You're allowed to walk around with weapons. Okay, right? yeah. So, I mean, the culture of cities, I don't... There really... could be bandits. Right. In fact, so... you already saw a guy with blue hair. <laughs> so, so, are you interested sense. in purchasing this magnifying glass? I think she is. Okay. She probably shouldn't. It isn't something she really needs, but, yes, she's interested. And you mentioned alchemy... Since you mentioned that, she says, oh, you might also want to visit Zafashoff as well, the local alchemist. Right. Does she have, like, a recommendation for spices? I should not be spending this money, but I... Uh, Zafashoff will have spices. Okay. Probably anything... Well, I don't know how elves spice their dishes, but anything that a human would want. A lot of mint. Can be found in (laughs) Zafashoff. And what about you, young man? Do you, uh... Require anything? Do you have a smaller version of this? And trick points to like, I, I'm assuming it's like a full length mirror because that's like a showpiece and it's very nice. Trick is actually interested in like almost like a compact. Okay. Like something that can store away safely. Something that can close? Yeah. Not like just a hand mirror? Not, but like I don't need a full handheld mirror, but like you never know when, like this seems like an interesting thing that might come in handy. 
And, you know, it can annoy me, nothing else. We also know from Cersei's work at the Parting Glass that it can reflect light. That's true. Yes, now that you see this here, that you are be beginning to get an understanding of how those lights all got moved around. The power to control the sun itself. Yeah, I mean, little do I know I have something that I can start fires with as well. That thought also occurred to me, I but just I don't think it occurred to Trick. I just learned about sunburns, so... That's true. Peppa <laughs> might figure it out. But... Sun's hot, yo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, Trick is interested in, like, a small uh, mirror if she has something like that. Preferably one in a compact case. For 20 coins, she can produce such a thing, but you will have to come back tomorrow for it. Sold. Here's 20 coins. Wow. <laughs> Not even you didn't want to try to bundle? Oh no, we didn't do so well to negotiation, huh? Uh, no, but I think Trick feels that's a fair price. He's up more money than he expected. Okay, you have to come back tomorrow because yeah. it is not... She doesn't have one right now, but it's easy to make. She has small mirrors, but she doesn't have them equipped in a way that they can be closed. Yes. So she has to... Create a... She's got to consult with, like, the local mechanic-type person for, like, a hinge. Yeah, some kind of hinge. Like like a, a locket type. Like, yeah, that right. would have a thing that you just slide over at the top. Yep. That's got, like, felt, but... Oh, that sounds very nice. I was just like, wrap it in leather. <laughs> so, yes, come back tomorrow. Perfect. Um, oh, I must teach the children in the morning, so if you can come back in the afternoon. Or I can meet, I don't know, we can probably meet you at the, your lesson if that's... I don't know, we, won't, we don't want to be disruptive. Could we watch? Um, she's going to make a check. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is Manu only. Oh, wait. She fails her perception check. She has three advantages. She is looking at you very, very closely, though. I think Chick would, like, almost infer, like, you would say, oh, my, my mother was a Manu, but uh, I didn't grow up with her, so I'm not so familiar. It might be interesting. Your mother was a Manu. I am a Manu myself. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, no, I may have some... Oh, you are Maeve's little boy. Uh, not as little, but yes. Yes, indeed, you have grown quite a bit since last I saw you. I imagine it was many years ago. Indeed, indeed. I... Uh, an elvish diet is very healthy. <laughs> I was a member of your mother's clan. I also... I think you still are. Lived... Indeed, indeed. I also lived in Hissenham for several years. I recall your early days. I'm sure I did nothing untoward during those times. What was Trick like? Hungry, I'm guessing? A little, no offense, a little slow compared to other other children. No, that tracks. No, that would make sense. Uh, <laughs> elves grow a little bit more slowly. Your development might have just been slower. Uh, I think that's fair to say, yeah. But I wonder if it was faster than now Hepa's, like, obviously thinking about. Yeah. Uh, lives aren't about speed. <laughs> Yes, so she tells you uh, which of the buildings in the street she will be speaking to the children at tomorrow. Sure, I'm sure we can make time for that. Heba would love to sing by. Yes, you are certainly welcome to uh, observe, provided that, uh, yes, as you say, you do not disrupt the children's education. I hope we are not a distraction for them. My lessons tend to be more popular than some of the other luminaries, I will admit. A little more flashy, if you will. Ah, Matrix even more interested now. Matrix is a bit of a storyteller himself. It's true. She says it like it's a modest thing. She thinks he's a big storyteller, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Have you any news of other Dune folk that you would like to share tomorrow? We can also uh, make time for you to speak with the children. I don't know if you ever met my younger sister, Dame Twain. I did not know Maeve had another child. Uh, no, she That is. must have been later. Later, after the war. So, no, she did not know Maeve had another child, but uh, if yes. you have exploits of Dame Twain... Absolutely, about her... Entirely true? <laughs> uh, no, like her astounding... Uh, Sense of honor? Or... No, like, you just, like, describe her her victories at the tournament. They're just saying ah. she didn't win first, but, like, she won most honorable. Oh, yes, that's right. And Xerxes, we met him. Yeah, but you're going to talk about Twain. Xerxes is so surly and, like, ugh, just over it. If Hepa wants to volunteer, like, some of Xerxes' new innovations that you saw... I mean, you could tell a story about Ulrich. Maybe falcons. That's true. Yes. I mean, we met Ulrich, but you I don't... you have an interest in falcons? Um, falconeers. <laughs> I think what she says is I learned a little bit from Ulrich. Landfar and Ocean, son? Yes, I know 
Lanfar, of course. She was also in Hisenham. And although I don't know if that would be traditional because I learned a little bit about the paper making from Ocean, but I don't know if that would be a traditional... I have never met Ocean or Alric. I mean, Alric told me some things about falcons. I don't think I would say it's my specialty. So probably Sazid knows more than you do. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yes. I, if I could contribute anything, it might be geographical or magical. Or probably, medical. Probably best not to bring that <laughs> up at Dune School. GM Jennifer here. If you listen to as much folk music as I do, you may recognize the name Lily the Pink. I heard it on an album from the Irish Rovers. I don't consider it a fabulous song, but it was the perfect source for a spur-of-the-moment charlatan NPC. I thought it was particularly apt because two major streams of magic in Westmoth are white and red, and pink is a combination of those two. Bam. Instant NPC. You've been listening to Echoes of Invasion, set in the world of the Battle for Westmoth video game, and played using Edge Studios' Genesis role-playing system. Our GM was Jen, and our players were Lex and Daniel. For the serialized narrative write-up of this adventure, visit us at diceystories.com. Our character art is by Del Borovic. See her work at delborovic.com. Our music is sampled from Return to Westmouth by Matthias Westland, aka West, licensed under CC by SA 4.0, part of the Battle for Westmouth project. Visit them at westmouth.org. Until next time, This is Dicey Stories reminding you, the only thing that separates you from knowledge is experience.